This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Well, hey, everybody. How you doing? One person over here sounds great. The rest of y'all just out of obligation said, we're good. We're good. We're going to try that one more time. Let's do it. Hey, Vortex, how you doing this morning? Oh, man, that was much better. You were ready for it that time. Hey, I have a treat for you today. Um, one of my good friends in ministry is, is here with us today. His name is Josh Baird. Josh Pastors Love Church. Uh, right outside of Washington, D.C. in Northern Virginia. Um, I met Josh on a trip in 2019. And uh, just to, to be blunt, he was in a bad place. Not because of anything he'd done, but just having inherited uh, of some really negative things in their church. And I, I watched as God literally on that trip, God met him right where he was at. Um, provided solutions for stuff that his church was going through. And um, we, we've just stayed really close over the last, uh, what would now be four or five years. And I, I want you to know, like he has walked through, like many of us, he's walked through some tough seasons in the last four or five years. Um, it's had, we, we were talking earlier, it's had negative impacts on like his own personal health and some stuff that was really tough in his family and some stuff that was really tough at church, and he has walked through it with such strength and dignity, love and character. And I mean, by God's grace, he's on the other side of a lot of that. How many of y'all know God is still a God of victory? And uh, and so I, 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 I've just had it in my heart for a long time to be able to bring him in. And uh, I think that some of us need that, we need that courage that he's got, he's got so much courage. Um, some of us need the strength that he walks in here today with. I'm excited for what he has to share with us today. Uh, he is a, a devoted husband, and very intentional father. He grew up, his dad literally planted their church. And he saw, you know, that there, there's some choices you have to make as a, as a pastor to say, we're going to be to be with our family and he makes those he's he played college football and he's so intentional about coaching his boys if you ever follow him and see a video of his boys at a football game you just turn the sound up because his wife is so funny to listen to in those videos oh josh is such a gift and i believe he's going to bless us today so would you just give a warm vortex church welcome to my friend josh baird And we didn't plan to dress alike, but you know, great minds. That's awesome. Thank you so much, um, Pastor Kevin. You are um, just amazing. And how many are thankful for your pastor? Can we just put our hands together for him? I wanna just say before I start, and I promise I don't, I don't do this, Kevin, because um, you're supposed to. Because I think you, you kind of see this a lot when you have a guest in, they, they spend some time talking about the the pastor. I don't do this because I'm supposed to, but but 
Kevin Simmons, Pastor Kevin, is just one of the most loyal friends, faithful friends that I've ever known. Um, he's so encouraging. He's uplifting. He's generous. If you need a hug, come on, how many know Pastor Kevin is just a good hugger? He's a good hugger. If I ever just need a hug, I know that I'm going to get a, a good hug from him. And when he hugs you, it just feel, you feel the love transfer when he hugs you. How many know what I'm talking about? This is that's a different type of hug from him. But great friend. And, uh, and he's absolutely right. You know, in 2019, it, we had been through a lot of tough stuff. And, and, and I showed up to that trip where I met him. And he was one of those pastors that that was just like a, a turning point. And there were some practical things that happened out of that trip. But really just from a spiritual perspective and a relational perspective, I had just taken over our church. And I realized I have some friends. I have some people that care, some people that are going to be there. And uh, Pastor Kevin has been one of those people uh, in in my life and his wife, Amanda and Addie and Clay and Kate. I just want to say, never forget that familiarity can be, can be, can be, doesn't have to be, can be an enemy of honor. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You get super familiar with somebody and, and, and then and all of a sudden you realize that I'm not honoring them. Like, and Jesus went through the same thing. Like they were so familiar with Jesus that they forgot to honor Jesus. And I just want you to know, and I can say this, the outside guy coming in, um, that never, Vortex Church, never get so familiar with your pastor who would never ask for honor or want honor. That's not his flow. That's not how he rolls just because he's so humble and relatable and loving. But never let familiar, familiarity kill the honor because this family has given their lives to, to, to build this church. God builds his church, but he builds it with people. And he's built it on this family that has given their life to see your lives changed. And how many would put your hands together just to say, we love you, Pastor Kevin and Amanda, and we honor you today. And I'm happy to be here. This morning I was doing my hair and my hair dryer, literally where I'm staying, I plugged the hair dryer in and it broke. And it, it, the, the first, like I plugged in it, it broke in one second. It wouldn't turn on anymore. And I went, I literally am typing a text, uh, uh, Kevin, it, do you have a hair dryer in your off? Wait a second. He doesn't have a hair dryer in his office. <laughs> I did that. I, I texted you that it broke. But then I, I changed, changed my text to say, I'm going to have to go to Walmart and get a hair dryer. But I had written out, do you have a hair dryer? No, he doesn't have a hair dryer in his office. I realized that. But anyway, uh, I want to I speak to you today um, around the topic of uh, generosity. This, this series that we're in, Eternally Sourced, um, this is about how God is our eternal source. I watched your message from last week. And how many are, uh, thought that that was a great message last week? If you weren't in church, just pretend you were. Like you were there. It was a great message. Uh, but that God is our source. This month is the month of giving. And so as we're about to enter the season of the holidays. Come on, how many know this is just a season of generosity? It's a season of giving. And this is what I want you to know up front as I come in and bring this message um, on generosity. Uh, that if we want to be like God, and that should be the goal of all of us, is that we become more and more like Him as we become disciples, fully devoted followers of Him. If we want to be like God, then we must be generous people. We must be generous people. The title of my message today specifically would be a heart issue. All right, so um, not a big title guy, but if I had to title this message, it would be a heart issue because at the end of the day, when we talk about money, giving, generosity, really at the heart of it, it's a heart issue. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your 
heart will be. Where your treasure is, where your investment is, where you spend your money, that's where your heart is. In other words, the principle is, if you want to find out where your heart is, just look at where the treasure is. Amen? If you want to know where somebody's passionate, you can look at where are they investing, where are they spending. Jesus gives us this principle, wherever your treasure is, there your heart is money and generosity. Uh, when we talk about giving, it really helps expose where we are in here, how we treat it, how we spend it, how we think of it. It exposes where our heart is. But here's the cool thing. Not only does it expose where our heart is, it's like a, a test of where our heart is. It's also an opportunity to change where our heart is. In other words, Jesus didn't say where your heart is, there your treasure will be. He said where your treasure is, there your heart will be, which means it's not only just a test, but if we change the way that we think of money, if we change the way that we operate when it comes to our generosity, it can actually change our heart. And that's what we're going to talk about today, because at the end of the day, God's not after your money. God's after your heart. God wants our heart. And so this is really a heart issue. And so we're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 15 for our core passage today. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. That's where we're going to take our application points. Forgive me, by the way, for being loud and energetic. I sometimes my wife says, she says, Josh, you start at like a 10 and the people are just at like a six this morning. It's a 9.15 in the morning, for goodness sake. You're at six. I'm at a 10. How about this? Let's just meet in the middle at an eight. Can we do that, everybody? Come on, we're about to we're about to read the word of God. Come on, how I many know oh, he went to the cross for us? He rose from the dead. This is good news today. Let's just at least meet at an eight. How about that? We'll meet at an eight. I'll come down a little bit. You come up a little bit. We'll meet there and we'll read Deuteronomy 15 in a moment. But let's pray. God, we open your word today with an expectation for you to speak over these next few minutes. God, I pray. I plead with you. I pray. I beg you. Don't let this be a speech or a presentation. For God, that'll change nobody's heart. God, I pray that today by the power of your Holy Spirit, the reading of your word, which is alive and sharper than a sword, God, I pray that you would change us. Do some surgery on our, on our soul. Make us more like you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Come on, and everybody said, amen and amen. A few years ago, by the way, it was Father's Day. I told a dad joke before I preached, and it's never stopped because the people wouldn't let me stop. They said, you got to keep doing dad jokes. So then when I visit somewhere like you, never met you before, but we're friends now, we just met, I've, I, I've decided that i got to take the dad jokes with me. So can you bear with me, men? You can use these on your kids. You can use these on your grandkids. You can use these at work. Women, I know you're going to roll your eyes at me, but I'm going to do it anyway. What do you call a hen looking at lettuce? Chicken Caesar salad, of course. Chicken Caesar her salad. Yeah. All right. Come on, guys. You, that, that is, I'm giving you something. I'm giving you ammunition. I'm giving you something that you can work with here. Um, I got injured one time playing peekaboo with my kids and they're young. It, it put me in the ICU. <laughs> all right, we need to get to the, we need to get to like the word. We don't have all the time in the world. Did, I, did you guys hear about, in all seriousness, did you hear about the tractor trailer full of Vicks Vapor Rub that overturned on 52 yesterday? You probably didn't hear about it because there's no congestion <laughs> at all. So 
This is ridiculous. What a, what a horrible way to open up as a guest preacher is these corny dad jokes. All right. All right. Deuteronomy 15. Are you ready for the reading of the word of God? I'll be in the NLT, uh, but whatever translation you have, that'll work. Here we go. At the end of every seventh year, you must cancel the debts of everyone who owes you money. Just so we're on the same page, this is God to the Israelites, his people. This is the law. Deuteronomy is kind of like the, the follow-up to the law. It's the reiteration of the law to the people of God. And how many know Jesus fulfilled the law? Thank you, Jesus, for fulfilling the law. At the same time, how many know that God doesn't change? So when we look at the law in the Old Testament, uh, it's not that it's like that it's gone away or that God changed his mind. So the principles remain. So you say we're going to Deuteronomy 15. Yeah, because we can still see throughout the entire Old Testament the heart of God. And this passage is going to clearly show us the heart of God when it comes to generosity. So we read verse 1 again. At the end of every seventh year, you must cancel the debts of everyone who owes you money. This is how it must be done, God says. Everyone must cancel the loans they have made to their fellow Israelites. They must not demand payment from their neighbors or relatives for the Lord's time of release has arrived. This release from debt, however, applies only to you fellow to your fe fellow Israelites, not to the foreigners living among you. So pause. Just so we're on the same page. As with all of the law, it, it's gonna it's gonna point to, it's gonna reflect, it's gonna be fulfilled in Jesus. Um, Obviously, we don't have to forgive debts every seventh year anymore, but how many know Jesus forgave us of our debts? When, when, when he says, and it applies just to the Israelites, not to the foreigner, that's going to that's gonna speak to eventually in, in Christ that there's only forgiveness and the payment of sin for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And so when it says only for the Israelites, not the foreigner, now today, that's that forgiveness is for those who believe, not those who don't believe, but those who believe. But how many know God's made it simple for us that we don't have to get everything right. We just need to believe. So even this, this law, this Old Testament passage is, is going to reflect, it's going to speak to what Jesus did in forgiving our debts, but it's still going to give us principles, principles in how we should operate as the people of God. All right, we're on the same page. Let's pick it up in verse four. There should be no poor among you, for the Lord your God will greatly bless you in the land he's given you as a special possession. You will receive this blessing if you are careful to obey all the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today. This is coming through Moses. The Lord your God will bless you as he has promised. You will lend money to many nations but never need to borrow. You will rule many nations but they will not rule over you, speaking to the abundance of the, the people of God. But if there are any poor Israelites in your towns when you arrive in the land the Lord your God has given you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Instead, everybody say instead, be generous, be generous, be generous, and lend them whatever they need. I'll pause right here at verse 7 before we finish out our reading and just say, if I had to summarize this message today, a heart issue, it would be this. I'll just give you it up front before we get to the three points. Do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted. Instead, be generous. Here's what we're not going to be hard-hearted, tight-fisted. Instead, we are going to be as followers of Jesus, Vortex Church. And in a sense, I'm already preaching to the choir because what a generous church you are. But, we, but sometimes the choir needs a sermon too. Amen. Instead, be, everybody say it together, 
generous, generous, generous. The NASB says, you shall not harden your heart nor close your hand, but you shall fully open your hand. So the picture is, I'm not close-handed, I'm open-handed. When God gives me something, I don't take it and hold it for myself. I take it and I hold it open-handed. This is the posture of a follower of Jesus is that he's given this to me and I stay open-handed. Lord, what do you want me to do with what you have given me? That's the posture of the follower of Jesus. He goes on to say, do not be mean-spirited and refuse someone alone because the year for canceling debts is close at hand. If you refuse to make the loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord, you will be considered guilty of sin. Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. There will always be some in the land who are poor, and that is why I'm commanding you to share freely with the poor and with the other Israelites in need. Interesting little note before we jump into the three points that in verse 4 he said there should be no poor among you. And then in verse 11 he said there will always be the poor among you. And so what do we do with that paradox? What we do with it is we realize that God's saying there's always going to be opportunity. There's always going to be the poor among you. But there should be no poverty among you if you do what I'm telling you to do. Because the blessing that's coming to those people is going to come through the vessel of the church. That's today. The church for him. You're saying the Israelites, if you do what I say, the poor are going to be blessed. Come on, how many know, Vortex Church, that if we do what he says, then those that are in need will be blessed. Next week when we pack boxes and we do OCC, how many know there are children that are not only going to receive the gifts, but if you know anything about it, it's much more than the gift. They're going to receive the gospel. They're going to be blessed in practical terms, but they're going to be blessed in the ultimate way, which is spiritually because they're going to hear the gospel. And, and this is an opportunity for us as the church to let God's blessing come through us. We are the church. His his plan for the world is to come through. His plan to bless the world is through us. We're not going to be mean-spirited, tight-fisted. We're going to be open-handed and generous. It's a heart issue. So three, here's what we're going to do for the next few minutes where we're going to get our three points is I'm going to frame it like this. Three heart issues that God can heal us from three heart issues that he can heal us from, but we're going to take it from this passage. So we're going to look at the passage and and we're going to use this passage to pull out these three points today that are going to be framed with three heart issues, heart issues. My grandma Oots, yes, I had a grandma Oots. Uh, She's with Jesus now, best Christian I've ever known. Seriously, just the best Christian I've ever known, greatest lady I've ever known. And uh, she went to the doctor one time for a heart, some heart tests. And the doctor came in, true story. Her son was with her at this appointment. And the doctor said, I'm sorry, Ms. Oots, but uh, the test came back in and you have an enlarged heart. And she said, praise Jesus. I've been praying for God to enlarge my heart. And the doctor was so confused. But she just wanted God to enlarge her heart and make her more generous and more giving. And anyway, three, three heart issues that we need God to heal us from. Here's the first one. You ready? And the first thing that we need God to heal us from is a selfish heart. We are inherently selfish. I don't need to know you. I don't need to know your background. I don't need to know anything about you to know that left to your own sin nature, like left to yourself, apart from, you know, the spirit of God that's in you and your new nature, apart from that, naturally, by default, you're selfish. I am too. We are selfish by nature. You know that you don't have to teach, if you're a parent, if you're a parent, you don't have to teach your kids the word 
mine. Come on, how many know they just come out of the womb knowing the word mine? You know what I'm talking about, parents? Like you didn't ever have to teach them that for some reason. They knew that word. Somehow they already knew that word. You got to teach them how to share. What does that show us? That the natural inclination of the human is to be selfish. And so selfishness in our new nature following Jesus, selfishness is something that we need God to heal us of, to free us of. And it's a work in progress. We all need God to help us from to, 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 to change us from being selfish. It's a lifelong journey, y'all. My wife has this habit. She would not mind me telling you guys here at Vortex this and joking about her, but she has this habit. I go through Chick-fil-A. I'll say, babe, what do you want? She'll say nothing. And and are you sure? Yeah, nothing. I, I don't want anything. So then I get my spicy chicken sandwich, a large fry, pimento cheese, and uh, large sweet tea, light ice, two honey mustard, two uh, sweet uh, honey mustard sauces, and uh, that's the best order at Chick Fil A, by the way, if you're wondering. And then and then what happens is they give me the bag, and she starts eating my fries. I'm like, babe, I would have ordered you a fry. It's $3. I would have ordered. She's like, no, I don't want anything. But, and then she takes my fries. All of a sudden, I've, I have half the fries left because my wife is eating my fries. You got to pray for me because I'm still getting over the bitterness that I have. Or I'll order at a restaurant. She'll say, That's, I'm so glad you ordered that. I wanted to try that. I'm like, well, then you order it. God needs to heal me from selfishness. Uh, but anyway, anyway. The, the selfish nature is with us from birth. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. How I many know we might be born with selfishness, but there comes a time that as we grow in Christ, we put away those childish things. How I many know selfishness is something that we got to put away? And there's something about preaching about generosity and, and money and finances and, and month of generosity that exposes selfishness in us, doesn't it? There's something about tithing. You, know, you talk about tithing and we teach on tithing. It exposes where we are at in our heart when it comes to selfishness. Not being generous. Selfishness is a part of our fallen nature. But we need the Holy Spirit of God to continue to change us into His nature. And God is the opposite of selfish. He is selfless. Gave us the most generous gift of all time in giving His Son so that we could walk free because we've been forgiven of our sin. Can somebody say amen in verse 9 it says do not be mean-spirited and refuse someone alone for the year of canceling debts it's close at hand if you refuse to make a loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord you will be considered guilty of sin just we don't have much time to go deep into this passage but do you realize the audacity of God through Moses to say that you must give a loan this is not you, you got to understand this is not like you should pack an OCC box. This is like if somebody's in need, you give them a loan. And yeah, the seventh year where's, where the loan is going to be forgiven or canceled, the debt's going to be canceled, might be coming up. You got to do it anyway. And it says, and if you don't, you're going to be guilty of sin. Of sin. Golly, that's harsh, Lord. I have to give a loan of my money to somebody else who's in need, even if the year for canceling is coming up. And if I don't do it, I'm guilty of sin. What does this tell us? It tells us that generosity is not an extra part of our walk with God. It's foundational. It's so foundational that God tells the Israelites, if you don't give to those that are in need, you're living in sin. My goodness gracious. How many know we are called to be generous? 
What does that mean today? It means that whatever we can do, whatever opportunity that's in front of us, whatever, and we got the month of giving that we're about to close out. We've got the Christmas list that's coming up. If you don't know what that is, you'll hear about it. What does this mean? It's an opportunity to be like God. It's an opportunity to let the Holy Spirit change us and make us more like Him as we are generous. It's an opportunity not to be selfish. Here would be my prayer for Vortex for every person that's here today. Lord, heal me of a selfish heart. Let there be an absence of selfishness in Vortex Church. God, may you lower the selfishness in each of our lives today. If you believe that, say amen. Second thing that he needs to heal us of, the first is a selfish heart. The second is a grieving heart, a grieving heart. This is an interesting word that I use for the second point, but it's from the passage. Let, let your heart should not be grieved. The New King James says it like this. You shall surely give to him, those that are in need, and your heart should not be grieved grieved amplified says resentful or bitter would be a way to describe it when you give so the first the first point is talking about make sure that you actually do it year for canceling debts is at hand in other words you might lose out because of this it might make your life worse by the way that's what separates the true gospel from like the prosperity gospel stuff like the that thank God that this church doesn't have that preaching of I give in order to get. I give in order to get something. I give to be blessed. You give and you get rich. How I many know that's not really the gospel? <laughs> because what that does is it drives selfishness deeper in us. But the true gospel is you're going to give and the seventh year might be close. And then the loan's canceled. Then you're out of luck. What you going to do about that? How about them apples, God says? What does that do? Drive selfishness out. Y'all see the difference? In both instances, you're giving, but in one way, you're giving selfishly. The other way, you're giving selflessly. And so the first thing is selfishness. Selfishness attacks us before we give, meaning like I might, I don't want to do it, but the first point is we're going to do it anyway. Give the loan. And for us, our context today, be generous. The second point is how we do it because God cares how we do it. God loves a cheerful giver. God doesn't want us to do it and then be mad about it. I give, but then I get mad. How many have ever given your tithe and then your car broke down? <laughs> Nobody talks about that stuff. How many have given an offer, you've been generous, or you've helped somebody out, and then your HVAC goes out, and you're like, God, I, wanted, I thought when I was generous, you blessed me. What about when you give and then something bad happens? Yeah, what, what's your attitude going to be like when you give and it doesn't work out like you want? Then we have a chance to be like God. To give without needing anything in return. He says, don't give and, and let your heart be grieved while you give. Don't give and be bitter. Don't give and be resentful. Give and be joyful. Give and be joyful. Let me tell you how you can give. And, and while you give, deal with a grieving heart. Watch this. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how we can do it. Is there anybody here that has $100 that you're willing to give me today just right now? Just wave your hand if you've got $100. $100 to be able to give me today. You got $100? Thank you, sir. What's your name again? I met you before. What's your first name? Ovi. Ovi, thank you. For, thank you for this. That's very nice. That was very quick. Um, somebody else raised their hand too. That's so nice. Thank you, Ovi. Ovi gave me a $100 bill. Look at that. $100. Let's give a hand for Ovi for giving me this $100. Thank you, Ovi. Very nice of you. 
you might be wondering, man, Ovi, you standing over there, you just gave him $100 like that, that quick. Let me tell you why Ovi was so quick to give me that $100. Because I gave him that $100 bill before the service. <laughs> You're still generous, Ovi, I'm sure. But y'all need to know that was my $100. He just gave it back to me. It's silly, silly analogy, silly illustration. But I have to tell you, when we realize that everything we've been given is from God, and when we give, we get all maybe resentful, or maybe the other way, we get all proud. Let's let God just heart check us real quick today and remind us that everything we have is from him. You can't give him something that's yours because he gave you everything that you have. That's why tithing should be easy. I realize it's not easy for everybody. You might not be a tither yet, but that's why tithing should be easy for us because it's like, God, you're only asking for 10%. He gave us everything. Well, I earned that paycheck. He gave you the breath in your lungs. He gave you your hands. He gave you your feet. He gave you the ability to work. He gave you your intelligence. He's given you every day that you wake up. How many know everything that we have comes from him? And he says the first 10 is mine. And then everything on top of that as we're generous when it comes from him we're giving it back to him what is already his that helps us today to realize God I don't have to be resentful I don't have to be worried I don't have to live in fear I can give today I can give to people I can give to your church today because I know that it's all from you and if you gave me everything I have and then I obey you in response with what you've given me I don't have to be worried I don't have to be in fear I don't have to be mad about it I can trust that if you take care of the lilies in the field and the birds in the air, that if I just seek first the kingdom and put you first, and that's a money passage where Jesus is teaching about possessions, that you will take care of everything else that I need. Doesn't mean that I'll be rich. Doesn't mean that I'm gonna have great times all the time, but he is my provider and he's gonna give me this day my daily bread. I'm never gonna have to worry. I'm never gonna have to fear, but I can have the joy of the Lord in my heart as I reflect a God who is so generous and he has generously loved me. He's generously saved me. He's generously forgiven me, shown me his mercy and his grace. How many are thankful for the mercy and the grace and the generosity of God towards us? Say amen. And so here's the prayer. Lord, heal me of a grieving heart. Heal me of selfishness that causes me not to obey, but heal me of bitterness or, or a bad attitude where I would do it out of legalism or do it just because I feel like I have to or because I'm supposed to, but give me the joyfulness that you want. Let there be an absence of selfishness in our churches. Let there be an absence of bitterness in our churches, of legalism in our churches, of doing it out of obligation in our churches. Let there be a joy in our generosity in Jesus' name. And the final point is the final issue that we need God to heal us of is a forgetful heart, forgetful heart. A selfish heart, that's one issue. A grieving heart is another issue. But I'll tell you what will kill your generosity. And this is, this is part of what I want to do today. And this is when Pastor Kevin talks about what we went through and the, and the tough times that we went through and strength and courage. Honestly, you know, I would say that the number one thing that, that got us through tough times is remembering that God is faithful, remembering that he's always brought us through. I'll tell you something that'll kill not only your generosity, but it'll kill your desire to keep going. It'll kill your passion for God is when you forget what he's done. I don't want to worship like I've forgotten what he's done. I don't want to live each day like I've forgotten what he's done. I don't want to try to be generous having forgotten what he's done. A few verses later after he's talking about lending to the poor, 
Moses is going to talk to the people about the seventh year, about another aspect of the seventh year. And it's not just the year of canceling debts, it's the year of releasing slaves. Not thinking of slavery in the sense of our modern day understanding and American history, all of that, but understanding that these were household servants that were basically on contracts and on the seventh year they were released. And so it says this, just a few verses later in verse 14, when talking about releasing slaves, not just release your, your slaves, but give him a generous farewell gift from your flock, your threshing floor, your wine press, and share with him some of the bounty in which the Lord your God has blessed you. And remember, everybody say, remember. Y'all like, stop telling me to say stuff. You're the one preaching. I'm, we didn't come here to preach today. Just one more time, just one more time. Remember, <laughs> remember that you were once slaves too. And as you're releasing a slave, remember that you were slaves in the land of Egypt, the Lord your God, and he redeemed you. And that is why I'm giving you this command. I'll say it like this. I wrote it down like this. The virtue of generosity grows in the soil of gratitude. And I would say you could substitute generosity with everything. Well, if we want to be passionate about what God has done, we need to remember what God has done. Come on, when you, when you step into church, you come into the theater in, in, in the morning, we need to remember that Jesus died on a cross and he rose again. I don't want to worship like God just, you know, did something little for me. I want to worship and obey him and, and, and operate as if Jesus actually died and he actually rose. Does anybody believe that Jesus died and Jesus rose? And when I remember what he did, it changes everything. When I remember what he did, it makes me more generous. The most generous people I know are the most grateful people I know. Isn't that true? in your life. Isn't that true? So here's the call. Don't forget that you are slaves too. When you release that slave, don't turn your nose up to him. Hey, that's just, that's a slave. That's a servant. No, no, you are a slave in Egypt. When we're giving to people, we need to remember that that was us too. That was us too. And when we remember that Jesus has saved us, and the Bible talks about it a lot in Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, you know this Psalm and forget not his benefits. And we could go on and on and on, but, but I'll close with this. Jesus tells us when he's establishing at the Last Supper, this Last Supper or this communion table concept, he says, when you do this, when you pour the cup of wine and you share it, when you have communion, do it in, what is the word? Remembrance of me. Here's the, here's the, here's the call of God. Here's the closing call today is to remember what he has done. Let there be an absence of selfishness. Let there be an absence of resentment in our churches. But my God, let there be a remembrance of the blood of Jesus and what God has done for each and every one of us sinners. Let there always be a remembrance of the generosity of God in us and let it drive everything that we do. Can I get an amen? from the church. Come on, let's pray together. Would you just uh, stand to your feet? I don't know if this is how you close, but this is how I'd like to close to just get us out of our comfort zone. We've been sitting and let's just do this. If you're comfortable with it, let's just open our hands to heaven and receive this prayer as we pray over the word that's been spoken and we ask God to apply it into our lives. Lord, heal us of these heart issues. Heal us of the selfishness that's in us, all of us, starting with myself on the microphone and every single person in this room, we need you to drive selfishness out. God, and help us to do it with a joyful heart. Holy Spirit, and help us call to our minds, not only the cross and the resurrection, 
but every blessing along the way. Remind people today, if you've never failed them, you're not gonna start now. Remind people today that you've blessed them abundantly. You've always given us everything we need. We're here today. Even being here today and being a part of this great church is, is proof that you care about us, God, that you're providing for us, God. And so we remember today all of your benefits. We remember today all of your blessings. Ultimately, God, we remember today the forgiveness of Jesus Christ for our sin, and it stirs us up with passion. Let this church live to glorify you. Let us live to advance the gospel in Jesus' name. We do all of this to honor you and to glorify you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Come on, and everybody said a big, loud amen and amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.